guys, it's episode 21, another milestone hit. Thank you so much for listening, tuning in, subscribing, liking, really, really do appreciate it. If you haven't subscribed, this is your PSA to do so ASAP. And don't forget, we also have a YouTube channel. So if you're someone who likes to watch videos as you're listening, then make sure you head over to YouTube and have a look at what we're producing over there because I'm telling you, it's ASAP content. But anyway, today in this episode, we're sitting down with David Olishegun, who is the co-founder of Creative Control Ventures. Creative Control Ventures is a venture studio that is revolutionising the industry by enabling creators, celebrities and influencers to fulfil their entrepreneurial ambitions and create brands with a substantial impact on the world. So think of Nala's Baby, for example. That's one of the brands that they launched. This conversation with David is a goldmine of insights and personal reflections that are rooted in his own real life experiences. David has quite a varying experience where to the naked eye, it might seem that he's jumping because he's done media, he's done sports, he's done entertainment and he's done music. But really there's a strategy that underpins every career move that he made. Also highlighted in this conversation is the crucial step that David took to step back after a personal tragedy, having a period of reflection, and that allowed him to grasp the fragility of life and spur the re-evaluation and redefinition of his own purpose. You can expect to learn how to effectively navigate career transitions, how to leverage relationships, what it means to add value, how to network effectively, and how to identify and work towards a specific long-term vision. So, without further ado, let's get to the show. You have like quite an extensive experience yeah, yeah. across like media, business, sports, entertainment. Where did all of that come from? To be honest, like I know I have like a, a varied like career in terms of like the industries I wanted to go into, but I think it started, um, I used to play football when I was younger, um, was fascinated and loved football. I think like every young guy uh, from London wanted to play football, um, obviously didn't make it, Played had that knee injury, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I would say, yeah, I had a knee injury or back injury. One injury uh, was the reason why I didn't make it to the Premiership. Um, but I was also fascinated about, like, footballers. And I think, when I think about my career, it was like, it was meant to be. Because I used to support my United. And I supported my United for the a random reason. It wasn't a reason that anyone saw. It wasn't like, oh, I saw... Um, the, the class of 96 um, playing football and I loved them. I think it was actually a commercial that made me what in, was interested in, in supporting my United. It was, it was Giggs. Ryan Giggs was um, on a commercial for like the Watsits, for Watsits, the Chris. And for some reason I saw him, He I think it was the run he did at the Arsenal FA Cup match where he was going through a lot of different players um, and he scored a goal. And I think from there I was like, oh, I support my United because of, because of Ryan Giggs. Um, and it's fascinating that now I'm, in a space where I'm working with players or footballers um, that are actually building brands. Um, because that's one of the things that, from that age where it was a commercial that made me interested in supporting Man United, now it's like you've seen the leverage or the, the power that celebrities have to influence different people. And that was like, maybe like 20, mm-hmm. not to um, share my age, but that was probably like 20, 25 years ago, to when I saw that. And from there, obviously went to uni, um, did international business with law, and then I did a master's in entertainment law. So um, I was fascinated about law, um, IP, trademarks, etc. I never wanted to be a lawyer. Um, I think the reading was a bit too much to do that, but I was fascinated with like contracts and IP and how to monetize IP um, from a very early age. And then obviously that led to me doing like um, the master's in entertainment law. Um, after that, I started working at Viacom. Mm. And Viacom was a great school for me. Even though I went to uni, I did my master's, but I think Viacom was the actual school for me. Um, where I worked in the consumer products part department. Um, and everyone doesn't know, consumer products is the part where they monetize the IP that the that Viacom has. So Viacom have like Channel 5, MTV, Nickelodeon, Comedy Central, um, so a bunch of different channels where a lot of people watch the watch the show. So you've got millions of people watching the shows, creating fandom for all of these great IPs. So you've got things like SpongeBob, Power Rangers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And basically what our role was to do was to um, find ways to monetize that IP. So we did things like 
plush toys, um, school bags, um, plates, knives, um, basically anything you can put your a, a picture of those um, assets on, we would sell it. Um, and it had huge amounts of business. And I think from there, I really learned in terms of like how to build global billion dollar brands and also how to manage it because I would work with like different partners from like so many different places from like China, Far East, Africa. And as you can imagine, um, some of them don't always go against, don't, some of them don't always align with like the brand guidelines or do their own things. So you have to make sure that one, they're keeping their brand integrity right. Um, mm-hmm. So if they're doing anything with any of our brands, just making sure they're doing that. Um, so it was, a, it was a great school for me because I learned so much, especially in a big, big organization. I think coming out from education, Everyone wants to work for like a big, big company. Um, and I got to work at one of the best in terms of like brand building, mm-hmm. sponsorships, commercials. And I think it really helped me hone in terms of like what I would do on like later in in life, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. No, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. How was, was it difficult to get into Viacom, would you say? No, it wasn't. It wasn't difficult. Um, I think I saw the job ad. Mm. I applied for it. But one of the good things that I feel like, because I think a lot of young people always ask me like, what skills should I learn, especially at this young age? I remember I was speaking at a school and a lot of them were asking me. And I think one of the best things I said was like relationship building and selling. Um, and I'm probably not the only one who's done this, but I used to do like telemarketing. And so I used to like pick up the phone, speak to like loads of different people um, and you'd get rejection like straight away. Yeah. So one thing learning no is not always a no. Um, two, learning how to, learning about rejection and just like brushing it off your shoulder and free how to sell mm-hmm. um, and how to build relationships. I think those were key, key things for me. And I think I used it when I was in my interview um, for MTV. I was able to obviously articulate like my value um, very on, because that's what you're doing. You're just articulating a value. And also I was able to showcase that I'm able to be the, someone who can actually um, help them in what they're doing yeah. in, what, in, in that capacity. And I, I learned that from a very young age. And I think from there, I thought that it was an easy path for me to get into to MTV Viacom and I think one thing I did is that I didn't waste that opportunity I really like spoke to not everyone not just everyone in my team but everyone outside the team so I really wanted to like network and make sure people knew who I was and I was available and made sure that I provided enough value so that people go oh if someone said my name in a the room they'll know who I am yeah, um, yeah. or they'll know oh David has done this kind of thing and that really helped me because when you were doing that like because um, I remember yeah. getting that advice as well like when I first started working at Amex, yeah. whereby, like, especially if the job that you're doing isn't necessarily something that you enjoy mm. doing, but make sure that you have a good brand, personal brand, yeah, everyone yeah. knows what you're doing, and then they can bring you in, like, having that relationship, exactly. essentially. Um, for you, were you doing that as a way to kind of go up the ranks, mm. or was it more with something else in mind after Viacom, or, like, doing something uh, on the side? So this is funny, because when I think about, like, life and my career, before I joined Viacom and when I was doing my um, masters, the goal for me in like 10 years time was to actually run a VC mm-hmm. and invest in like celebrities very early on. But I said to myself, like, how do I get from where I am now to that stage? And one of the big things that I needed to learn is connections. Cause like, even like connection celebrities or whatnot, I don't think it's not on one, no one can just go in there and just know all celebrities. So my thing was like, build your network. like. Obviously, everyone talks about your network, your net worth. So my thing was like building my network. So I think the best way to build your network is to provide value to people, not just the oh here's my business card, let's go for lunch, all of that kind of thing. I think that's dated. I think people forget about you. Yeah. So in Viacom, my my role was or my goal was to, to to obviously do good work one in terms of my my own team, but also to network with people in other teams and also provide value, even if it wasn't my in my JD kind of things. And from that, people want to work with you, people want to help you, people want to put you forward to things. And I think that really, really excelled or helped me in terms of my my um, time at, at Viacom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even now I still speak to people who work at Viacom. And there's even some things where, because even in this space, like it's a small, small space and people move. Yeah. So you might be connecting with someone who worked, you worked at Viacom like 10 years ago, but then they might be at an agency or they might be managing an artist or stuff like that, that I can connect and because of, my like as a personal brand from back then they're always going to go oh yes let's have a conversation or let's talk kind of thing or let's do business yeah kind of so my goal was definitely was to network and to provide value to to everyone that i was surrounded by yeah dope dope yeah and so as you're doing it, it sounds like you're very successful whilst you're at viacom <laughs> yeah was there like a particular 
area that was more finite, like going to closer mm. towards that you'll find a bit more enjoyment? So I think it was like, I loved, um, excuse me for that, but I loved sponsorships um, and brand partnerships, which I later got to do after my, my time at Biocom. So I think, it, I think I was just fascinated in terms of like being able to monetize IP assets mm. and stuff like that. Um, through like different like mediums. I don't know why there's a fascination around it, but I've just been so fascinated in terms of like, you create something, you build a fan base around it, and then you're able to monetize that through different mediums yeah. kind of thing. And it's obviously shown through like my career, because sometimes people are like, oh, you worked in media, then you worked in sports, then you worked in music, and you worked in that, and now you're working in some products. It's like, how does this all like align? But when you look through like my journey, then you'll see, oh, okay, it all makes sense. It's all a journey where, he started here and it's got to, to here. So that's why I say it's like a full circle from like mm. MTV where building um, IP for, or IP is really built for these assets and then monetizing it and now working with celebrities and actually building products that people are yeah. are buying. So, so yeah. it's like literally using the same school. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I actually thought about it, I was like, right, yeah. actually, that's crazy, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it still goes back because you're saying like, Wanted to do VC investing. Exactly, yeah, exactly, like, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And the thing is, it even though it's not exactly like that, mm. to us, I think what I'm doing now is better than that. But you can see like the train of thought in terms of like what I wanted to do there, and then yeah, a few years later, I'm doing that. Yeah, that now, yeah. yeah. Awesome. So working at Viacom, and then you mentioned you done like sports, yeah. music. How did all of that stuff come about as well? So uh, working at Viacom, great, great experience. Um, I then worked at a sports agency. Um, the most random way I even like got that that job as well. It wasn't like a traditional CV, here's this kind of thing. I There was one guy that I really, really liked um, and I messaged him on, on Twitter. And again, this is where the sales thing come in from the telemarketing because obviously persistence. Yeah. It's like you get nose, 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 nose. And you're like, oh, this is long. But even with him, I messaged him one time, nothing. I messaged him again. Well, you messaged him saying, like, I want to work with you. No, I was just like, yeah, like, I love what you're doing. Like, I, I think I can add value. I worked at Viacom. Obviously, have to, you know, show him what you do. <laughs> um, nothing, nothing, nothing. Um, read it, nothing. And then um, I kept messaging him. And then he sent a message and oh, like, send your CV um, to my email. Again, I sent my CV, like, three times. Nothing. And I was going to give up. Then I remember there was one Sunday. I remember there was one Sunday. I was like, in my head. Sometimes I think like this. Because I always, I always like to think like how people think or behaviours. Like mm -hmm. I'm weird like that. So I do people watching as well. So I think to myself, Sunday's probably going to be a quiet day. You probably get your no emails. You're probably going to be chilling at home. This is probably the best time for me to send an email. Or my CV again. So I sent my CV to him. Within like 30 minutes, um, he replied and said, oh, like what are you doing tonight? So I meet me in Mayfair. And then I was like, I think it was like 8. 8 p.m. or something like 8, 9 p.m. And obviously some people are like, it's Sunday, yeah. got work to, because at the time I was still working. Um, this is long, in it? But I was like, you know what? This is like once in a lifetime opportunity, let me go. So he said, come. So I drove, drove to like Mayfair. And I think, again, this is like, these experiences like helped me, because I think he took me to some nice like membership club. And I've never been to like a membership club. Like, even though I worked at Viacom, and I, I did nice things, but I never like, my eyes were open to that kind of thing. And we spoke, we spoke for like probably like three, four hours, wow. um, just talking about life, like where I've come back, come from. He was a black, it was another black guy, a successful black guy. And I think he saw the hunger in me. Um, and he saw that like, I was willing to work. I was willing to like put the hours in. Um, and I think he took a chance on me. And I think from there, um, he really, un he really knew that I knew what I was talking about. This wasn't a thing where I was just like, oh, I can do this, whatever. Because basically, at the time, I was thinking to myself, I was, I was like, wait, these footballers um, or athletes now, you do their boot sponsorship, great. And uh, you, you do might do some sponsorship like with a club, that's great. But how do you really build these athletes into like commercial entities kind of thing? So how I used to think about it was like, similar to like how SpongeBob has the TV show, then it has the DVD division, then it has the toys, and it has all the other like different like products it sells. I was like, why can't a footballer be similar? Obviously one's an animation cartoon and one's a human being, but why can't like why can't these athletes become like these big entities that have different revenue streams that come from them? And that's basically what I pitched to him. I was like, I can help you like build out these business entities mm -hmm. for these for these athletes and obviously generate more income for the athlete as well, but also yourself. Um, which obviously will differentiate you from all the other agencies that were just doing the boot sponsorships or the contracts things. And he loved it and he was like, yeah. And, and this was at the time where 
these footballers were coming like social media stars on like mm-hmm. Instagram, like building no brands, but no one really actually knew how to leverage it or utilize it in the best way. So I was doing that. So I was doing like commercial deals, like book deals, TV show deals, different types of deals like were unconventional, but these were like the first foray in terms of like these celebrities going into other other entities. Was it an easy was it an easy sell like getting those deals for those footballers? Yeah, because I think like anyone you can share. Yeah, it was um it was it was it was it wasn't hard to do those things because I think oh I at the end when I sell stuff I always like what is the end goal for like the other thing like a book deal for example when you're doing an autobiography book deal um, obviously at the end of the day the publisher's end goal is to sell books yeah so you're telling them that obviously there's this amazing athlete or whatever who's had a great great career um, in football or running or whatever and they've got huge huge audience already um, so even if you take 20% or 10% of the audience this will this will equal to X amount of sales in book sales, which become like a bestseller. But obviously as a publisher, you're getting the sales, but also you're getting the notoriety of working this person and all that kind of things. So I think from that point of view, when you look at like that, it's an easy sell to to, to these to these um, yeah, book publishers and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And even for you, so before you got your first deal like, yeah. at working for the yeah. play agency, how was that transition essentially coming from Viacom? Because were they promising you the same salary? Was it like a jump down? Like, yeah. what are you thinking? With salary, I think with uh, media, I think with most media companies, I think you only make good salary when you get to a certain level. Mm-hmm. I think they rely on. I love, I love the things. I love Viacom, so I wouldn't say any bad thing about them. But I think you have to work your way up, and I think having that on your CV is a big, big kudos to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, this wasn't gonna be like I wasn't gonna be there for like ten years. Um, or anything like that. My thing was like, I knew what I wanted to gain from there and then I had to move on to the next thing. Um, I think there was a big transition because obviously Viacom structured yeah. thousands of people across the world working with different partners across that to an agency where there was probably like six, seven people. So you had to you had to make your own day. There wasn't He wasn't micromanaging or anything like that. I had to go out and um, get food in, in, in some sense. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't like that. But I think on both experiences, it helped me in my entrepreneur journey now because obviously I understand the structure that's needed to create like a huge, huge global company, but also I understand the flexibility of working like a small company and knowing what I need to do, knowing that every person counts. This is not a thing where you can hide behind six people, seven people, like Mm -hmm. every person, every person's effort counts in this. So if one person flops on something, then it messes up the the business for everyone else. So yeah. How was that in terms of pressure then? Because like, I like pressure. Yeah. I think oh, like I'm, it, yeah. I'm, I'm not, um, I think I work better under pressure. I think for me, like I'm very like numbers driven. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, even when it comes to like fitness and stuff like my trainer says that, ah, oh, like if I put a number to you, you always think like you're always obsessed with that number. So for him, it was like, this is the number or this is the revenue that we need to, to, to get um, for this side of the business. Like go and get it kind of thing. And I think when I'm fixated about that number, it makes you very creative in terms of like, how do you actually, get to it. And I'm not saying I always hit those, but I was definitely um, focused on on those kind of things. So I think I like pressure. I think, and I think pressure is good, man. Um, obviously I think like the label I have is called Black Diamond, Black Di- it was Black Diamond Music. And I think one of the reasons why we called it that is because obviously, obviously diamonds are made under pressure. Yeah. And I feel like the best things come under pressure kind of thing. So for me, I've, I personally, not every, I don't think this is for everyone. And even my business now, I think pressure is a good thing because I think mm-hmm. it then shapes people. And I think people are very creative in terms of what they what they do. But I think when there's no pressure at all, I think people sometimes can be a bit laxed or yeah. a bit like, um, like yeah, it doesn't, it, sometimes it doesn't give you the impetus to like go out and get like hit your, hit your goals. Yeah, I remember there's that saying where it's like, your task fills the amount of time that you allow it to yeah, happen. Yeah, you know yeah, basically, mean? yeah. And there's a the same yeah. thing for me, like if someone gives me something I need to do in 10 minutes, I'm gonna do it in 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, gonna do, I'm gonna figure a way to do it. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, figure yeah, out how to yeah, do it. Yeah. And um, that's one of the lessons I learned this year actually, around like how to, cause I love to make, like when I'm doing something, yeah. I love to be like 
100% with it. Like, yeah, this is my proud yeah, work. Yeah. But now I've learned to kind of float with that air of, it's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you'll be surprised at what you can get away yeah, with. Like, yeah. um, and you know in yourself, like, it's not your best work, but like, your 80%, like the 80 yeah, 20 yeah, like yeah. your 80% work gets better and yeah, better and better because yeah. you just know things like second yeah, nature. Yeah. Um, and I love that analogy of pressure as well because, um, yeah, it's true, pressure makes diamonds, yeah, yeah, right? Um, so how, with that with that first role, right, how were you getting your um, clients? Were you just going on IG or did you have, like, networks? Because I imagine the first day, my man said, like, do your thing. Where did you uh, start No, from? so I think I was lucky in that team that he had all the contacts. Like, he had all mm. the networks in terms of footballers, all of that. So I didn't have to go out and do and do that. Yeah. But, like I said, the industry is quite small. So once people know you, they introduce you to other people. I see. And once you do good work, you'll get introduced to other people. Um, so... I didn't have to go out and network and stuff like that. He had all the networks. But I think from then again, from what I'm saying is, once you speak to someone, it's about building a relationship yeah. and then providing value. And again, like I said, that's why I said all of these things make sense that I was able to go through all of these things. Like the telemarketing thing, I hated the job, mm. but then obviously it helped me in other areas of my life, like building relationships, perseverance, yeah. how to sell, all of those things have helped. And I think even like with negotiation, I think that's one of my key things. I'm able to negotiate quite well because not only because I think sometimes when negotiate, some people just think about themselves like, oh, what do I want to get out of it? Mm. But I always look at it like, no, what does that person, like, what does that person really want? So my thing is when I think about it, it's like, oh, what do you really want? So even when you're talking to like players or whatever from anything they do, because some of them were like, I'm not doing that. That's not, that's not aligned with my brand, whatever. You actually find like, what do you actually want to do? Like, what is it that you want from it? And then you build things around it. And that's even like, even now with CCV, it's like the first conversation is like, what do you want to do? Like, yeah. and how can we build something around that? Because there's no point putting a product and a celebrity together and it, there's no alignment. One, they won't, they won't showcase it like they like it's theirs. And consumers are smart enough. No one's going to really buy that in and going like, why would they do that to be honest? So all of these things like really, really helped uh, from it, to be yeah. honest, yeah. Is there one particular deal you're most proud of from that time? There's one deal I'm or proud of, but we didn't. It didn't. It didn't. It's one deal which I think could have been like a big, big deal, but we didn't get it across the line because of a lot of things that happen happening. Um, it was with um, Ashley Cole and Jay Z, and it was he was going to bring um, Forty Forty to the UK. Damn. Yeah. What happened? Just a lot of things happened. There. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So talking. So I mentioned yeah. Jay Z. So then talking of music. So. Yeah. You went also had, you said you mentioned you had a label. Yeah. So how did that come about? Was that whilst you were doing the sport agency stuff? Yeah, so um, whilst I was in sports agency, I communicated a decent amount of money. Um, and um, with sports, there's a lot of things that go on in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I won't talk about it a lot like that. But I think obviously being a believer as well, sometimes not everything that you do in these spaces align with what you want to do. And for me, I always wanted to be like the best in what I wanted to do. And sometimes... To be the best, you have to do things that you don't want to do. Like what? Like what? Okay. <laughs> like, give me, give me a genre. Like, what do you mean? Just, just things you don't want to do. Obviously, I don't want to speak about it like that. But mm. yeah, just things that you don't want to do. And obviously, being a believer and obviously being rooted in my faith, it was like, you know what? Maybe it's not the right space to be in. Mm. Not to say it isn't now. Obviously, this was years ago. You've probably seen some of the stories and stuff about agencies and all of that things. Um, and then, so obviously. Even though I have the varied careers, like you're limited in terms of like what you wanted to do. And the thing is, I'm very a passionate person. I can't do something that I don't really like. Um, I need to be passionate about it. Even if it's just a little bit, I just need passionate about it. And then me and my friend um, were talking about it. And I was like, oh, you know what? I think we should start a music label because I think um, labels are not really doing arts development as much as they were doing before. Um, and I think this, I'll talk about it later, but this aligns like with my purpose a little bit. That labels are not really doing artist development. We should basically create a label that will invest in artists at a young age, do all the artist development, take them studio, get their music right, release it, whatever, and then do like once it's big enough, partner a label to like release that, release that artist. So we were doing that. Um, so we were putting in money. We found a few artists that we liked, putting in money, um, and did really well like quite quickly because I think at the time Spotify came, mm. which was actually like great for us because it really. Uh, reduced the power that labels had in terms of like because how it was done before obviously labels were going to like or would have the distribution 
put um, your CDs on like CD CDs um, and whatnot, and then would have obviously not control, but have a lot of influence over like the media channels, like TV, radio, etc. Spotify basically debunked that and just said anyone from anywhere can release music and it could be played anywhere kind of things. Obviously, you needed help from like editors at Spotify yeah. to obviously make sure that discoverability is there. But essentially, that's what they done. So that really helped us because obviously we would put our music, no label back here, nothing. We'd get like huge amounts of like streams on our things. And then obviously other people would see it, um, like radio, TV, stuff like that. So they'll contact us, get an artist on there. And then within nine months of doing that properly, we got like every label came in from like Universal, um, Warner, Warner Music, Sony Music, obviously loved what we were doing and the arts we had and offered us like a label imprint with mm. them. So we got a label imprint deal from all of the big three um, wow. in the UK. And it was, it was great because obviously it was two black guys from South London, basically getting a label imprint from every, every major label. And that wasn't really seen, especially at that, at that time. So for us, it was like, <laughs> like you know those things where it's like sometimes like God ordains your steps a little bit because <laughs> it was like even to us it was like wait because I remember when we I think I remember when we got the first deal and I remember we were out me and him were out and for some reason we were just looking at our email and we just saw it <laughs> and we looked at each other like what said so what the hell is this um, it was it was a mad moment it was like rah like I think we were just smiling like because even though we wanted it like when we got into it, we said this is what we wanted like yeah. we wanted labor imprint but like when it actually happens and so quickly it was like this is crazy kind mm. of thing. So yeah, I had the label imprint. We did it with... Um, what does the label imprint mean? Does it mean they're going to buy your label from you? Or no, so like basically what a label imprint means is that you still have the label, so you have your store entity, but basically this label, and it's, it's probably different to, depending on deals, but essentially a big label will give you the infrastructure and money for you to do. So you have money to do more advances, you have mm. the infrastructure to do marketing, um, radio, TV, etc. So essentially you're a small company going into a big company with their infrastructure and then giving you the funding to 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 do it, to be honest, essentially. So I see, I see. they basically turbocharge like what you're doing at a minuscule level and obviously turbocharge it, got it. to a bigger level kind of thing. So Got yeah. it. So then you got all these deals coming through. Yeah. And then what made you decide to take one? Who did you go with in the end? Uh, Warner Music. What, what, yeah. what, made, what made them I think like? we spoke with Matt Kusada, who's like now the CEO, global CEO of Warner Music. And I think just the way he thought, man, like I think when we had a conversation, like I said, I haven't come from music, but I've come from like media and we were talking about like, we were talking like for an hour about attention economy. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously at the time where the prevalence of like Snapchat was coming through and people didn't really, uh, not Snapchat, sorry, um, TikTok was coming through. And there was obviously Snapchat and Instagram kind of thing. And one thing I used to say to like artists when, before I used to work with them is like, why should I care about you? Because yeah. essentially that's what, you're presenting to the world something that people should stop in their stop three minutes of their life to listen to your music, essentially. So that's why I used to say, like, why should I care about you? And I remember I told him, because he asked me about, like, your, like, final arts thing. I, said, I told him that, like, that's one of the questions I asked you. And he said, you know what, that's, that's what I've been thinking about because not on that level, but I'm thinking about, like, there's so many things, like, the sh taking people's attention from, like, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, etc. As an artist in this new age, like, how does that person gain attention from everyone else? Yeah. And he was like, basically, I'm trying to, like, put in a infrastructure that we can um, facilitate that kind of thing. And for me, that was like, wow, like, that was the only, everyone was talking about music, which is great and stuff like that. But he was the one that talked about like attention economy and how we need to gain attention from all the other different like platforms out there mm -hmm. to obviously build um, and launch an artist, which I thought, oh, you know what? That's fascinating the way he talks. And he was just very, very intelligent. I learned so much from that. The time we, we spoke, I learned so much from him, not just on a, like a music level, but like, wider than that kind yeah. of thing it so makes yeah. so much sense like yeah. a machine basically because yeah. um now that i think about it when you were saying that the whole attention economy i think of how artists nowadays are launched through tiktok yeah, exactly it? yeah where it's like someone doing some random dance but yeah. they've got a song there you <laughs> yeah. know what i mean and it doesn't mean it's yeah. a good song but yeah. it's just the exactly most popular yeah, yeah, thing right yeah, yeah, yeah. now um so then with your artists how were yeah. you getting them so many streams in the early days without any support like i said i think it's god ordained <laughs> <laughs> i think one thing is, is like I said, relationship building. Mm. Obviously, it's we 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 knew a lot of like um, the editors of like the playlists and stuff like that, like Spotify, Apple Music, etc. And we obviously leveraged um, not only the relationship there, but the data we had back as well to showcase. Oh, this is why you should put it on this place or that place and that place and that thing. And we did it very early on, where 
maybe playlists are not as effective as they were back in the days. Mm-hmm. But back in the days, playlists were so, so effective. Like if you just go on like New Music Friday, yeah. UK, US, you're getting at least a million streams in that a week. Yeah. Now, um, of some people are getting that, but now it's harder to get a million streams. So I think we did it at the right time, to be honest, because I think even if you're on New Music Friday or whatever, obviously the streams still come in, but they're not as much as before. And there's so much competition now. Yeah. Like, everyone's putting their artists through to that. Like labels, independents, all of those are doing that. Back in the days where I think people were still, even labels were still trying to figure out Spotify, like how do we make it work? And I think it was just at the time where artists were like, oh, Spotify only paying us this amount of money, so we don't really want to work with them, all of that kind of thing, where we was like, no, let's embrace it. I think because we were independent, we was like, oh, let's embrace it. Because obviously we know what the end goal is for us and we're seeing the streams already so let's embrace it let's leverage our relationship let's talk to them let's keep them up to date in terms of like what we're doing mm-hmm. um because like i said again at the time our thing to them our pitch was them is like oh you want to be known as oh you made this independent artist this or that kind of thing and obviously at the time spotify were championing independent artists and wanted to showcase that um you can be independent and still do the numbers do kind of thing so again it's like looking at what do they want and providing that value to them mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome. Yeah. So for you personally, like what were you going through? Because um, it's like, you know, your fair transition yeah. essentially. Um, and especially it's in music yeah. where, okay, you've done a bit yeah. of music with MTV, yeah. but it's not necessarily artist yeah. management, artist development. Did you ever struggle with like imposter syndrome or like, yeah. what the hell am I doing right now? Did any, did any of that go through your mind? Yeah, it goes through everyone's mind. I think you're thinking like, what the hell am I doing? Like, we're still trying to figure it out. But I, like I said, from the beginning, I was like, I need to be in this industry to make, one, make myself known and also network and mm. get the context that I need to get to. Like I said, I had a focus on that in terms of this is what I want to do and going through different industries was trying to do that and trying to show like my value and what I, what I, what I do. Um, yeah, I think you get obstacles, you get, obst- um, you get those syndromes and stuff like that. But for me, it's like the end goal in terms of like, what am I aiming for? Like, where's the goal? What's the goal for me at the end of the day? And I think just going through those things, I was like, yeah. And I think with even in that time, like I would speak to a lot of people and just get like guidance and help and understanding and having like mentors, people helping me out and people giving me advice, I think was really, really key to obviously make sure that I stayed on track. Um, and cause sometimes you like, you um, you question yourself a lot. You question yourself like, why am I here? Like, should I be even be here? I'm not experiencing some of the other people there like been in like 20, 30 years. I've just come into this space. Cause imagine, you're thinking about it. you've come. I've come to this space. I've done it for like a year, and I've got a label imprint. Yeah. There's people who've been working in the industry for like 20 years yeah. and haven't even done that. So a lot of them are thinking, how the hell are these two black guys who've just come into the industry, got a label imprint, one of the big majors, and done that? So I can I can say there was a lot of people like envious of us. And sometimes you look at it and go like, yeah, should we really be here? Like, was this like kind of thing? So I did. So I did get that. Like as a human being, you do get that. But for me, I'm like, no, nah, like. My thing is like, obviously I've been put on this uh, for some reason, there's a reason why I'm here. So now I just need to obviously take the right steps to obviously go through those, go through those, um, the spaces. And the thing is like, again, when I look at what I'm doing now, I look at like how being in this industry has helped in terms of like connections or speaking to this right people, that person, like it, it, all, it, all, it was all meant to happen to be honest. Yeah. 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 Cause I was gonna say like, yeah. talking of how you're in this industry now, so, you got Black Diamond yeah. um, Red Label. Yeah. I'm assuming things yeah. are going well. Yeah. You decided to leave. Yeah. What happened? So basically in 2020, um, so exited the business in the yeah, end of 2020. So basically what happened is my little brother passed away. And I think as someone who, like I said, everything's going great. Like you're on top of the world kind of. Um, and something like that happens. Um, it really takes you out of the matrix in some shape or form. So you really understand how fragile life is because before then, even though I had people who passed away that were like friends or friends or whatever, I never had someone so close to me pass away. And I think it really, even now I still struggle with the idea of death that someone you knew, someone you cared about, someone you loved is no longer here. So you can't talk to them, you can't call them. Like even like, he's an Arsenal supporter. And obviously yesterday we lost, unfortunately. <laughs> so that's something that we would have been bantering about, yeah. like, oh, we beat you, all of that kind of thing. And not even being able to like pick up the phone and do that was like hard for me. But it really made me think, and I think lockdown happened as well. So it made you really like um, understand like what's important and what's not important. I think like the, the ego 
in me says, oh, you want to be like, oh, you're this big like label owner, whatever, whatever. But then my thing was like, if I was to pass away tomorrow, do I want my like eulogy to say, oh, label owner thing, and that was it? Like, how did I actually help people apart from, I was doing all right, but like, how did I actually help people? Apart from the arts that we had, like, I didn't really feel like I was impacting the world, like I wanted to impact the world. And I think it really led down to like my um, purpose where, I think my purpose is basically to help people live out their dreams kind of thing. And I think I've done that in all different my careers, like from sports in terms of like the footballers, from now music and now like um, the celebrities I'm working with now. And I thought to myself is like, um, I really wanted to make an impact in this world. Like I didn't just want to do well in business or do well in this space or industry and not really have like an impact, a good impact on on people. Because I feel like um, sometimes when you're successful, you go up this ladder and you're like, oh, I'm doing well, I'm doing well. You're happy, you're doing happy, you're happy. You go away and then like, what do people actually know you for? So CCV was an idea I had like before, before, before like Black Diamond kind of, um, it wasn't really like fully formed in my head, but at the time, like obviously working these footballers, uh, you were like, you would see like you would do a brand partnership deal and you would see the brand value that a brand would get. Like they might mm. pay like a hundred K for the sponsorship deal and the brand might get like a million pounds in terms of like brand value, not in just in sales, but just in terms of like the connection with that person, like huge amounts of things, but the, the celebrity wouldn't get no back end. And yeah. when you would try to negotiate some of these things, a lot of the brands would be like, no, we're just gonna pay up for it free, you post or you do this, and we're just gonna get like basically all the brand value out of it, which I thought wasn't fair. Um, but celebrities were like, oh, the money's here, so did a thing. And then I think in music, you, I saw it quite a bit as well, um, where partnership deals, whatever, people were doing lots of partnership deals and no one would get the brand value. Like, obviously I love them, but Gymshark, a lot of their value has gone up because of obviously the, they were the first ones to go into like influencer marketing. Yeah. You see how big it's gone now. Like yeah. influencer marketing is huge now in terms of like, because obviously people associate an influencer. If an influencer is promoting something, um, they they trust the influencer, they love the influencer, so they're gonna buy it. And a lot of brands really like leverage that and would work with huge amounts of like different influencers, athletes, musicians, etc. And they would get huge amounts of money from doing that. And and I was like, wait, this doesn't make sense. Like, why would they get all of this? And the celebrity who's obviously the one who's helping push this, um, not really get it. And I remember I was looking, I was reading like, one day I was just reading the, because um, I like to like read a lot, especially when it comes to like um, brand partnership, stuff like that. So I was reading the um, Jordan, the Jordan, Michael Jordan and Nike story. And you could see that Nike was going like, falling down in terms of like interest mm -hmm. or sales and whatever. And pe a lot of people say that it was that deal that actually rejuvenated Nike. And you can see how quickly, because um, I think, I can't remember, but I remember I was listening to a podcast who obviously like broke down everything. But I was like, I think Nike predicted um, Jordan Jordans to sell in the first year, I think like $3 million or whatever. It went on to do 25 million in the first year, which is crazy for someone who, who just like, done draft, so he wasn't like a big, big yeah. player. But you could see the power of like how Jordan is with Nike. And now you can see how much more it's like, people are wearing basketball shoes as lifestyle shoes, mm -hmm. kind of thing. So you see the power of the celebrity on, on that front. And then there was a lot of like brands or there was a lot of companies in the US doing it a lot. Like you saw Rihanna and LVMH launch Fenty, done huge, huge well. Um, you see um, Dr. Dre um, and Jimmy Iovine sell Beats, Beats, Beats by, by Dre to Apple. Um, you've seen Jessica Alba of Honest Company, IPO. Um, you've seen, um, so you've seen a lot of these like, or Kylie Jenner with Kylie Cosmetics sold to Coty for like half a billion. So you've seen all of these big, 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 big um, celebrities launch these like unicorn status brands selling. And it's like, in my head I was like, there wasn't really anyone in the UK doing it in the way you're doing it. There's like lots of like merch companies, so especially because being in music, you would see a lot of like companies do merch. And for me with merch, like I understand that because obviously it's another extension of monetizing fandom for the celebs. Um, but for me, I was like, does this really provide real value to the end consumer? And in most cases it doesn't, apart from, oh, I got 
X and X t-shirt at his concert kind of thing, which is a great thing to say as part, I'm a, as a badge of honor for, I, I'm a fan of this person. But if this person wasn't associated to this brand, would they still buy it? Yeah. And my thing was like, I was very key on that. Like with Fenty, yes, Rihanna pushed the, the, the brand and everyone loves it because of Rihanna. But because the product is great, people are still buying Fenty. And same with Beats by Dre. Like a lot of people might not know who Dr. Dre is, but because of people love um, the the product, people still buy it to, mm-hmm. to, to now. So my thing was like, oh, I wanted to build a company where um, we can actually build these amazing products and partner with a celebrity to do it. Because the celebrity, they provide the cultural currency, the notoriety, they open up a huge amount of like contact lists in terms of their own things. And just even like when you're speaking to like retailers or manufacturers, um, because they're celebrities associated with, mm-hmm. they're more likely to work with you in a bigger, bigger, a bigger way. So my, our thing was obviously to provide like real, real value to the end consumer, like create amazing, amazing products. Yeah. And it so happened to be owned by a celebrity. Yeah, I love yeah. that. And I also love the fact that the focus on making quality products. Yeah. Because sometimes that can be forgotten. Um, <laughs> Before even the celebrities, like we talk about like influencers yeah. in general, sometimes when influencers make products, the products aren't really that good. Yeah. And it doesn't last <laughs> yeah. long at all. Um, so I love that focus. But then where do you start from? Because obviously you've got your contact book mm. from the last, say, 10 yeah. years or so. But is it a case of finding a gap in the market mm. and then fitting a celebrity towards that? Yeah. Or is it finding celebrity and then having a conversation with them and seeing what products work with them? Yeah, so... Um I think it's it, it varies. I think when we first started, it was going out to celebrities and finding out like whether they want to do what products they wanted to do, etc. Um, but I think, I could, like you said, I think when we were talking previously, like when you start something, mm-hmm. obviously this is what it looks like, and then you iterate, work with people, to iterate, 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 iterate. So we got to a place where it's like actually, it's better for us to go out into the space. So basically we work in four different like verticals. So they are food and beverages, personal care and beauty, health and wellness and apparel. Um, and we've got an amazing team where we'll go into sp- these spaces and look at like where the opportunities white spaces are and say like, where's a space where the current incumbent brands have been lazy and really haven't innovated or they haven't really created a product for a, a demographic so then we'll look at their space and like, where can we innovate? Um, and then luckily, um, my contact book, my contact, um, book is quite, quite extensive in the UK and US. And again, that starts from like the beginning, like the reason why I wanted to go into media, music, sports, et cetera, is because I wanted to build my contact list, which is obviously helping now because I can speak to a lot of different people in the UK and the US um, just because of my contact list um, previously and speak to them, a lot of them will go like, I want to create something in food and beverages or in water or in juices or in sun sun um, cream or all of those kind of things. And then what we do is we distill it down to, okay, cool. You wanted to create something in, let's say for example, um, water, for example. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll look at the space and go, okay, cool. What do we want to create in that in that space? Um, or where's the opportunities in that space? Like, where is it that there's actually not been a brand that's really innovated or, um, or it's not really serving the, the dem- a demographic like properly? And we do we do a lot of research. We do a lot of research to find like what space can we do? Then once we find a space, then we obviously speak to celebrity and say, okay, you know what? This is where we feel like a space that would be great for you. Do you align with it? Because the first thing is like, if they're like, mm, no, it's not for me. Yeah. There's no point in doing it. We'll just yeah. go, okay, it's not for you. But if they go, you know what? I actually really resonate with that that problem or that issue then i'll be like this is these are these are reasons where i've had that issue and i haven't found something that solved it then we go like okay cool let's really drill down into this kind of thing um and then we just partner them on 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 all the things i think this is not a thing like it's not a brand partnership or we're not like here's a product go sell it kind of thing that's not that's not the vibe i want to go for i used to do it that's not what i want to do for this is a like from scratch like what products do we want to create? Like what flavors do we want to create? So we work with the celebrities, the flavors, they try all the flavors. They go, yes, no, I like this. Can we add this, do that? The names, like what names should we go for? They're involved in that. The brand, they're involved in that. Mm, I don't like this, can we change this? So a lot of these people are like quite involved in it. Mm. Up to the stage that we've got a product and we've got a brand that everyone aligns with so that when they are talking about it, this isn't a hashtag ad, 
buy this kind of thing. This is a no, guys. This is the journey that I went through from creating this product. I created this product because of this. And a lot of people, a lot of people will align with that because they see the authenticity yeah. around it. Um, and that's obviously like right, how Nala's baby, like there was a real issue that Crept and Sasha had. They tried to find um, a baby skin cream product that was 99% or 100% natural um, for their baby Nala. They couldn't find it anywhere. And they used obviously the Think Dirty app to find it, and they could see all of the brands that they were previously using or being recommended were not, were not great. So they went out to create, with us to create a product that actually did that. Um, and even if they found a product like that, that was like natural, like in all of those like black shops and stuff yeah. like that, they were like 20, 30 pounds. So how many times are you gonna buy that? Um, so we wanted to one, make something that was great, a great product that um, loads of mums could use, or parents could use, not just mums, but make it like accessible. So it's not as, and we won't, we won't shy about it. It's not like a one pound product kind of thing. It's obviously more expensive than other things, but the value you get out of that product would be like you're paying 20 pounds or something like that for it. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people have really aligned with it. And I think like you can tell authenticity, like it's not, this wasn't something that you gave Crept and Sasha to promote. This was yeah. something that they actually were facing this problem and wanted to create a, pro, uh, a product around it. And I think that's why people, align with it so much to mm -hmm. be honest like thinking of a rapper and uh um you're thinking of a rapper launching a baby care product i was like what? <laughs> but because of the authenticity and you can see that the issues that he wanted to solve then you can see like why it's done done so well and the product's amazing yeah really the product's is. amazing mm -hmm. so that's another reason why it's done well because even if you had the authenticity all of that kind of thing and the product was rubbish everyone's like oh he's just talking yeah i think but because the product is great it's like oh the authenticity thing so i understand that why he put his heart sweat and tears and also sasha as well put into this and then the product is great as well mm -hmm. it, it adds to like a, a brilliant brilliant story to be honest yeah and no. i think that's what we're trying to do with all the other products that we have we're launching in the next few months because mm. with, with product development right yeah. um i've got a twofold question so like Starting to build business, yeah. especially a product-based business, yeah. is very like intensive, right? <laughs> it is oh, intensive. Yeah, it like is intensive. you've got the research, you've got the samples, you've got the tasting, oh. you've got like the custom, like the customer development. Yeah. Like there's so many things you have to do. The website development. Um, I'm laughing because I'm even thinking about the things I need to do. <laughs> <laughs> so then you have your team, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, so you have your team. You have the celebrity, yeah. But then you have the different verticals, yeah. Like how do you manage like all the different moving parts? Like who sits where, when do you hand it off to build a team to manage it full time going, or is it, do you guys hold it forever until IPO? Like, um, yeah. yeah, like how, how do you like manage all of that so stuff? So one, we've got an amazing team. So I've yeah. got two great co-founders, Alex and Shaz, who bring like great, great experience and help obviously build this in. We've got an amazing team um, of around like 20 people now, um, wow. working in various um, areas from like product development, branding and designed, uh, marketing, operations, supply chain, retail sales. So we've got a good, good team to be honest. Mm -hmm. And all of them come from like varied backgrounds, but I'm not gonna lie. If we didn't have that team, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing. So one thing, our team's amazing. Um, how we do it is like, we do like pre-launch stage, so inception, so yeah. creating a product with a celebrity up until launch. And then we do like 12 to 18 months um, with that brand. Um, the plan is then obviously that brand to obviously start building like its own team so it can um, fly on its own kind of wings. We still have like equity in the brand and everything like that. But I think because we're a, we call ourselves a studio, um, it doesn't make sense for us to resource that brand like with the staff we have in there. Cause obviously we've got like a few brands. It's not just like one. And as you can probably tell, you need like a dedicated team for that brand so yeah. that it can obviously hit the goals that it needs to, it needs to, it needs to hit. So we are with the brand like quite a few, for quite a few, for quite a long time to be honest. Mm. And then obviously it starts passing over to like building its own team and then hopefully gets acquired or IPO. Yeah, because yeah. you guys will keep because it's like a venture studio. Right? Yeah, so you guys will keep um, like part of the agreement. You'll have like an equity. Yeah, agreement yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and for us up because you don't you wouldn't take cash, right? You don't say we'll, we'll invest cash and people. Is that right? Yeah, so we so we do so we invest yeah. cash and people into mm -hmm. that into that entity um, because obviously there's nothing there and it's still like a lot of even though it's still pre-launch, there's still a lot of money that yeah. you need to do like product development, websites, all of those kind of things, product shots. Mm -hmm 
all those kind of things. So we invest that and we invest resources. So we have equity in that, in that. And then obviously, as obviously we raise rounds of money. Um, so obviously we dilute, but the money's need, the capital's needed to obviously for it to launch and scale. To and then is the ambition for them to keep on raising or do you want them to become a self-sufficient business and then sell? Like what's an ideal situation? Also, yeah, I think any business is trying to obviously, obviously there is a balance between scaling and getting to a um, a number of like people that use your brand and then obviously being self-sustaining as well. Um, I think it depends on the brand, but obviously the goal is for it to be self-sustaining and then be acquired by a conglomerate or um, or IPO, to mm-hmm. be honest. So, and, yeah. and then risk, right? Yeah. So by partnering with a celebrity, mm. their personal brand, mm. anything can happen, yeah. right? We've seen what happened yeah. with Kanye, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And on the flip side, like I remember reading an article about Ryan Reynolds mm-hmm. who promotes his brand, yeah. like amazing at marketing, yeah. but I guess his products aren't, necessarily the best mm. um and then when they sell off like he's um he's basically brought on his fans to get on board with yeah. the product but then by him selling the company he's no longer affiliated mm, yeah. with the product and so it's kind of a wolf in sheep's clothing yeah. kind of thing um how do you guys protect yourself from say controversy risks to make sure that the brand still performs well even if the celebrity doesn't so i think for us um there's two there's two parts of that question. One, in terms of like when we are speaking to celebrities, like we do we speak to them for a long time. Mm. So this is not like I meet a celebrity in thirty days that we sign a contract. Like this can take like six to nine months before you sign some people. And I think through that process you're getting to know them, they're getting to know you. There's a lot of um checks that we need to do to make sure that one, they're the right person for any anything we do. Two, they actually really want to get involved in this. Because obviously, like I said, in business, like even though they're celebrities, like there's a lot there's a lot of celebrities that have failed yeah. these ladies the kind of business. So you have to make sure that they're in it for the long the long haul. And I think the the second part is that we want to create brands that are so great that even if the celebrity was not involved in it, it was do well to do well. So for example, another example like Dr. Dre, mm. with Beats by Dre, he's not involved in it. He sold obviously to Apple. But Beats by Dre are still doing numbers, even if Dr. J was involved or not. So yeah. basically, we want to get to a stage where every brand, even with Jordan, like most people, most people might not even know who Michael Jordan is, but they'll go still buy Jordans when it comes out on the sneakers that like be rushing to buy it. So we want to create these brands so great that even if the celebrity was not involved in it or not, the brand will still do well. Like with Nala's Baby, there's probably, I think we were saying that, there's, there might be a lot of people that don't know who Crept or Sasha is, yeah. but because they've heard the product is amazing, they'll go and buy it. So that's what we want to do with all our brands that, they're so great that even if celebrity was involved or not, like we understand the celebrity brings the first like initial um, purchase for them, but we don't want the celebrity to be the reason why they buy again. We mm. want the product to, to stand on its own two feet that because the product is great, I'm going to repeat per- purchase. And that's the one thing I always say like with the, the products, when we talk about products, like we want to make it habitual. Like we want these to be products that's part of everyone's daily lives mm-hmm. um, kind of thing. So yeah, that's how, that's how we, we tackle it. Mm. So I imagine yeah. there's been quite a few celebrities you had to say no to already. Yeah, there's a few that's to say no to just because it didn't make sense or maybe they're not in the right time in their career. Um, or maybe they just, they wanted to create a product that we didn't think was the was like commercially viable. Because obviously again, we also look at like, is it commercially viable? Yeah. Like it's not, like we could work with every celebrity and create any product, but at the end of the day, if it doesn't make money for, for people, for us or for the celebrity, sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work to be honest. Mm, yeah. I like that, I like yeah. that, I like that. So then personally then for mm. you, like you're spending all this time yeah. essentially developing other people. Yeah. What about yourself? Like how did you develop yourself? That's a funny question, you know? Cause obviously I've, I, I, I always believe and I think when I started reading, cause obviously my thing was like, I think everyone wants to be a leader in some shape or form. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like who are the best leaders out there? And one of the leaders that I looked at was Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Looking like, if I could be a leader like Jesus Christ, like he led, obviously he had the 12 disciples, but he led like huge amounts of people. Um, how can I be a leader like him? And then one of the traits that I saw from him was like servant leadership. So I think for me, myself is like, I want to be of service to someone. And I think that sometimes people say like, oh, like, because obviously I think I'm very, I've refined like what my purpose is. And everyone says like, how do you find your purpose and whatever? And I think the start to find your purpose is one, like your purpose is about service. So it's about servicing people. 
Um, so for me, it's like, for me now, serving people to help their, their dreams come, come to fruition, I think for me, it's, it helps me because I think if I do things for myself, and I think in some shape or form, like the label thing was kind of, in, for me, even though he was working with artists and service for that, I think it was like to boost my ego a little bit. Mm. But I think when I really understood the idea of like servant leadership, I think that's when like, I feel like my legacy is to be of service to people so that when people talk about me, it's like, oh no, he helped me with this. And it doesn't have to be my, what I'm doing at CCV. It could be anything. It could be like, oh, he helped me in terms of like, get this job or he helped with my CV or he did anything like that. So that's for me like service. And I think for me in terms of like, making sure that I'm good is like, after my brother's death, I think it was like really, really honing in terms of like relationship with like family friends, stuff like that. Like, I do get seasons where I'm like mad, mad busy, crazy, crazy busy. Um, and I think I used to use that excuse, like I'm busy, I'm this, I'm that, to sometimes not spend time with friends or family or whatever like that. But now I'm like, I really put in my diary, I make sure that one, that um, I really spend time with friends and family because they refuel me. They, they're the reasons why, because there's, there's days, like even the successes of what I have today, there's days where you're like, oh, this is long, like why am I doing this for? And sometimes like spending time with like my mum, or my sister or friends, like really refuels and really, really um, helps you like ignite like why you're why you're doing this do this for. I think, yeah, I think I think for me that's 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 it. Like trying to work like within myself, like like better. Like um, it sounds like you do a lot of reflection then. Oh yeah, I'm very self-reflective. Yeah. Very very self-reflective, man. Um, because I think it's quite quite important. Like I want to really. Um, showcase like myself in the best light. And yeah. I think one of my favorite verse, verses in the Bible is like, let your shine, let your let your light shine so that people may see your good works and glorify your, your father in heaven. So for me, it's like in all these places I'm in, it's like letting my shine, let my light, let my light. Yes, yeah, so all in these places I'm in, I'm letting my light shine a little bit. Um, and then people going back and go, oh, like where does that source come from? And then obviously hoping that they see that obviously this is coming from from God, and I think one of the reasons I was wild I wanted to go into spaces. I think like because sometimes people are like, oh, you're going to sports, you're going to music. I know it's not as as much as it now, but obviously people say, oh, you're a Christian. And I remember I used to get Christians saying, oh, like why are you going into these spaces, kind of thing. Like this is this is um, not of God, basically. It's secular. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's secular. They love that. This is secular. <laughs> Um, and I said to my, and I think even my pastor said it this Wednesday, this um, Sunday, he said like, we always can't be light and light. Mm -hmm. Because if you're going to like gospel music, like, there's light there already. Like yeah. we need to be light in darkness kind of thing. And I think for me it's like being that light in these darknesses, these dark places and showcasing like what you can do. Um, and then obviously people knowing that you're a man of God or a woman of God um, for it and doing great things as well, not going there and do substandard work, like going there and actually doing amazing things. So people go, oh, like, there's something different about him or there's something different about her. And even there's moments when I'm speaking to celebrities, I'm speaking to them about God. Because I always, like with the celebrities, I always talk about purpose. Like, what is the purpose you want to do? Like, you've made, like, a lot of them have made huge amounts of money. Like, money is not the driving factor for them. I'm like, this is what happened to me. Like, I really wanted to leave some sort of legacy or imprint on this earth, like, what do you want to leave on this earth? And people might say it's as small as products, but then when you look at, for example, Nala's baby, you've some people have seen the results of what it's done. Yeah. And this product has now changed the lives of so many parents and kids' life. And that's the mark that Crept and Sasha can say, if they passed away, God forbid, passed away, they can say, you know what, I created this brand that's left this this imprint on this earth that is that's helped like loads of mothers, babies, etc. And similar to us, like a CCP as the as the team here, we can say we've created a product that's actually done that. And then that's what we're trying to do in all the other products that we are creating that it has a positive effect on people's lives. And that's part of like our our, our vision and mission to like enrich the lives of consumers globally. So yes, we're working with celebrities, but then our bigger calling is to create these products that actually enrich the lives of people around the world. The celebrity brings the, like I said, the notoriety, it brings the access um, and it brings like the, the, the leverage of what they're doing and aligning with what their purpose is to create things that actually help people lives across the across the globe. So yeah, so it's, like I said, it's bigger than just making money. I think one that's one of the, the reasons why um, me and my co-founders like align because yes, we can make money. All of us are 
built business, sold businesses, etc. But we aligned because we wanted to create a company that really had an impact on this world, that really um, had a mission and a purpose on this earth. And it wasn't just here to just make money. It was actually here to actually help people's lives like globally. And sometimes that might sound like airy-fairy or whatever, but I, we are really, really um, focused on, on doing that. So that's why there's certain products that we wouldn't go into, like tobacco or anything like that. Like we wouldn't do anything like that because if it doesn't, if it doesn't hit the the um, the checkbacks of enriching people's lives, then for us it's a no. Like mm -hmm. even if a big celebrity says I want to do this, but it doesn't feel it hits that tick box, then for us it's like a no because, like I said, there's like now we get so many people that want to work with us. Yeah. And for us it's like we have to like make our decision on who we do who do we want to work with. Not just who do we want to work with, what but what products do we want to create on this earth? Because mm -hmm. you can create products that are um, enriching. We can create products that are destructive. Facts. And we don't want to create products that are destructive, to be honest. Yeah. That's that beautiful, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got me gassed up. <laughs> um, yeah. I've got bare questions, but because <laughs> of time, I'm going to wrap it up. So, um, what's an underrated life hack that you employ in every day of your life? In fact, no, I want to be more specific. Time management. What's a life hack that helps you stay on top of your calendar? <laughs> I don't think it's a life hack, but basically, I've got an assistant. <laughs> <laughs> She's an amazing um, person, but one thing that she does, like we go through like my um, my calendar every day, and she pr like we prioritize like what's important. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it that I need to prioritize in terms that adds value to our business, and what things can I delegate to, to other things? So, like I said, we've got a great team, and I think sometimes I'm someone who likes to just do everything, like get his like hands dirty, all of that, roll his sleeves up, whatever. But I realize that my value diminishes when I try to do everything. Mm. My value is really, really apparent when I when I do things that I'm great at and focus on those things. So even if there's like three or four things that I need to tick off that day, those that's what I focus on. And then like one thing that I always talk about on LinkedIn is that that deep work. Just having two, three hours of deep work, no distractions, just focusing on doing work for me is like is mm -hmm. it's amazing. Because sometimes, especially sometimes in the office, like you get moved here, this, that, that. So there's like two days, two, three days in a week where I say to her, I need to block at least four hours. I'm just, I just call it work block. I'm just going to focus on work. No distractions, no nothing. I'm just going to do that. And it just obviously increased their product, productivity awesome. for me, yeah. And um, you mentioned there's the things that you're good at, right? Mm -hmm. So how did you discover the things that you're good at and what are they? Like, because you can do everything. Yeah, right? I, think it's, I think one, definitely relationship building, um, strategy, um, negotiation, um, and just having a vision for stuff like, I'm probably the one who, um, like I have like visions and stuff like that in terms of like where I think things can go, where the world should go. Um, I'm probably not the best in terms of like the detailed oriented things, mm. like what's the penny to, to this or that, that's probably not where my skill lies. Um, but I know like if you say something to me like, we're doing this, we're doing this, I can really go, you know what, I don't think this makes sense. or how you feel about doing this because I feel, because of what I've seen or because of what I've read, I feel this is the way that things are going. So that's probably where I'm I'm probably like best skilled at, to be honest. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, one celebrity from the past that you'd love to do a brand collaboration with or build a business oh. with? Oh, okay, can I do two? Because one's going to say, oh, one. <laughs> one Jesus Christ. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> one Jesus Christ. Um, and second would probably be Pele. Ooh. Yeah, Pele. Yeah. I think yeah. he has a lot of untapped potential. Yeah, his brand, you know? yeah, yeah. I think like one of the greatest players ever to live um, or to play the, the, the thing. And like I said, I think he had so much, like he had the flair, the personality. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, he, he would be the second one. Yeah. Um, a book that's influenced you the most? Other than the Bible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one book I feel like that's influenced me them a lot is called The Operator by David, Ge by David Geffen. Never heard of that one. Yeah, he was like, he opened my eyes to like, he used to work in music. It's like, he used to, he ran like Geffen Records. He helped like build DreamWorks and Pixar, all of those kind of things. And I think the one thing I love about him is uh, his story in terms of what he's, what he's done, but also how he's been able to Similar to me, like moving to other industries and do 
like, do amazing things at it. I think for me, that was like one of the ways in terms of like, because sometimes people box you in as like, if you work in music, yeah. for your 30 years of your life, you need to do music. Or if you work in media, 30 years of your life, you need to do media or sports, if you do sports, all of that. But for me, I'm able to like go into spaces, do something, and then go into another space, whatever. And some people are like, raw, like, you, like, do you know what you want to do or whatever? Like, I'm like, nah, like, like I said, when you look at my story or my journey, you realize like how all things actually made sense for where I am, I am now. So from the outside, you might look like, raw, he was in music, or I was in sports, or I was doing this, or I was doing that. But then, like I said, from back then, this is like my goal. I wanted to like go into these spaces, learn what I need to learn, make contacts to create this. And then now I've done that. Now I'm in, in this space, yeah. Awesome. And yeah. then the final question, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on all, all um, social media sites. So I'm on LinkedIn at D, D Olusegun, so D-O-L-U-S-E-G-U-N. Um, Instagram, again, D Olusegun, D-O-L-U-S-E-G-U-N. And then Twitter, it's D-F-O-L-U-S-E-G-U-N. Um, so yeah. David, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank nice you so man. much. Thanks, bro. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>